0: Uh, welcome everybody to The Rule Not The Exception podcast. Um, we have got a guest today who I've got to say I'm so excited about. Uh, when I was coming into the industry as, as a young lad, there wasn't many people that I could look up to or could see around me that were were doing it. And, and the guest that we have today is definitely one of those people that I was able to. Um, so welcome, Sasha Darwin.
1: Oh, thank you so much. That's really nice to hear, by the way. No,
0: it was it, you know, when, when you agreed to come on, I, I've got to say it was definitely one of the guests where I was like, I'm, I'm super excited about this one because when I started in the early two thousands and I would look around um, about you know actors who would look like me, or then break it down even further, people who are probably of my generation. I don't think there were any, and, and I think Riz hadn't quite popped yet at that point. Um, and you know, you'd done a bunch of work, and I'd just done a show called Brits and worked with Manjinda Oh yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, at that time you get to know actors and you're like oh what have you been up to and, and all of that and she was like oh I just did this film called Bradford Riots and at the time I thought well I'm, I want to check that out so I bought the DVD. Um, for anyone listening that's a, a disc that you used to put in a, in a <laughs> machine and you could watch stuff through that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and obviously you were the lead character in that which I'm definitely going to come back to later but there was a first time where I was like Holy crap! There's someone sort of my age that's that's doing it as a leading character, yeah. which you know I don't know about you at that point um, looking around because you would have had a lot more experience. That there there must have not been anyone, if any at all.
1: Yeah, no, there, there wasn't. But I think what's what's so nice to hear is you're always so focused on your own journey and striving to do the best that you can do, and you you forget about the the next generation who are watching the work and are inspired by what you do, and it's. Yeah. Even just hearing it now, it kind of you know, it gives me that sense of motivation to keep ploughing on, you know.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. Well, I want to take it back a little bit. Um, so you are from Stockport or were you born in Stockport? Yes, okay. born, born in Stockport. And from reading up around you, you were, you were pretty much working from
1: early. Was it 12 years old you got your first credit in, was it City Centre? And, and no, it was a, a series, it was, yeah, I was 12 years old. Uh, it was a children's series called Out of Sight for CITV. Okay. Yeah. And the the reason I got it was the actor that was playing it initially had to drop out because his school were like, you need to focus on your education. So I replaced him. And just thinking about it now, they were like, oh, we'll just replace him. No one will know the difference. He's a completely different (laughs) person. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, didn't they do that in Home and Away at some point? Didn't they just replace a character that no know? Yeah,
0: I think that happens on the occasion
1: now, doesn't it? They'll just replace like... Like in Coronation yeah. Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what they did. Yeah. So, I mean, we look completely different I'd a side party. But, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the first kind of job that and I how did. And how did that come into your life? I've talked about this a couple of times, and it's and, and I should stop doing it. But I started off tap dancing. Amazing. My My mum was always very much like get into the arts she was she's uh, always been passionate about singing acting herself um and she could see that I really enjoyed doing it so she was like just get him in a class and the the nearest class to our house was a tap dancing class so both me and my sister went um and one other dude who happened to go to my high school and in the class we got on so well but in school we didn't even talk to each other because if we did it was an acknowledgement that of what we were doing on Saturdays, having ribbon in our shoes and like, tap, <laughs> I mean, tap dancing. The were you hell any out. good? No, it was awful. <laughs> and that's why <laughs> after I really
2: wanted to just say, yeah, I'm, I'm amazing. I, 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 think, I, I,
1: I felt like I was good at the time. But I mean, you asked me to do something now. I've got two left feet. But I think the teacher realized. And I think after a couple of years, she came around to the house and she was like, um, he should leave for us. He's good, but he, he's got more of a passion for performing. He, right. he, he needs to express a bit more. Um, and gave my mom the name of a children's agency. And from there, I signed this agency. And then this audition came along because this act had to drop out. But the agency was quite well-renowned because there was um, almost a drama group attached to it. Led by a teacher called David Johnson, and so many great actors have come out of there. You know Sarah Lancashire, uh, Joe Gilgan, You know he's like in This Is England. Mm-hmm. Andrew Knott, who was also in, in the History Boys with me. So from from that really, that's how things things started. Just to go back with the tap dancing, where you were, uh, <laughs> please you don't weren't, you weren't, <laughs> you weren't reluctant. You were just you went straight for it. It's in, yeah, because I always get asked as well. You know, what do your parents think about what you do? Um, and I'm quite proud to say that. My parents were really supportive about it. And especially when it came to the arts, and particularly my mum, who now in, in hindsight I realized how lucky I was, she was like, do it. And I, was, I had a passion for performing anyway, and, and even like at weddings or birthday parties. Mum and dad would always get one of us up to do something, whether it be a song or mm. play an instrument, even if it was badly. Or mine was Michael Jackson impersonations. Nice. So, yeah. Why not send him to a tap dancing
0: class? No, it's great because, you know, kids of a certain age, you you know, we're so self-conscious. So it's it's fantastic that you're able to just throw yourself into it and go, I'm just going to give it a go. Yeah.
1: And also, I was like, it's a good question to ask because I I just remember at the time, I didn't think too much of it. Yeah. Um, I think I was a little bit reluctant because in my head, I was like, oh, only girls tap dance. Um, And then having another guy there. And also, my sister was there. I Actually, really enjoyed it. It was a really good way of kind of expressing yourself, because the tap dancing also involved performing. We had to do kind of these mimes and stuff as well. And the idea, as well, was we had to, we had examinations, so got used to being put under pressure. So I helped with auditions, I guess, later on. So you did outside, and
0: that was you did like twenty eps. Yes, so that, you know, and yeah. then you went on to do like um, the last train, mm. and then you did. Uh, Weird Sister College, which was like another 13 episodes. At this point, you're like 15 years old. Yeah. Yeah, You must've been like the richest kid at school.
1: (laughs) I was so rich, no, (laughs) I wasn't wasn't at all. Uh, It it was an interesting time, even just thinking about it now. It was good in one sense, because I was working, but one thing people don't know a lot about was the fact that I was a child actor, and that had certain um, effects on me. As good as it was, I missed out on a lot of stuff.
0: Like childhood stuff,
1: yeah. Like being on set is great, but it's a—it's almost in hindsight, it's a false reality, and and it's slightly addictive as well. So I did all my most of my tutoring on set, which was great. I had a private tutor, but I missed out on on interaction with my fellow classmates. Like I distinctly remember being in high school. Um, And you're kind of in the popular group, as it were, whatever that means. Sasha, I feel like you're in all popular groups. Oh, Oh, yes, I wish I was. that guy. (laughs) And I was a joker as well. I hadn't really started acting. I was messing around in school quite a bit. And then this job came along and I didn't realise the effect it would have in terms of this was going to be my career. And I remember leaving school that day and I was supposed to be going away for like a couple of months, but it ended up being like eight months. And I came back Eight months later and it was such a weird thing because I've been away and had this huge experience of working in tv and working with adults uh, having so so many ex- new experiences and realizing that acting was something that I wanted to do and at the same time your show's starting to air as well you come back into school and you're like oh great I'll just pick up from where I left off but I feel slightly different That's cool. Going to school. And I remember walking into my class and a girl had come out and she went, oh, Sasha, you're back. Oh, my God. Just stay there. Stay there. And she walked into the classroom and she went, guys, guess who's back? And I walked in and I just remember the whole class going, oh, here he is. And it changed like that. Because they thought,
0: you thought you were a big shot?
1: Yeah, it was that kind of thing. And also I'd missed out on, I know it's like only eight months, but a lot of stuff happens around that time. Yeah. Um, and I became the least popular. Um, I, was, I was very isolated. and I couldn't wait to kind of just get my exams done and get the hell out of there. People were like bashing you in the corridor, you know, because they thought, oh, because I started to get a lot of attention, but not positive. Oh, it's the guy from TV, you know. Mm, oh, yeah. he's a big head. And, and I just felt very lonely. But what was great, I kind of associated myself with a different group of kids at school, the kids that get their head down and do the work and, and don't really care about if you're on TV or not. And so it, it was okay, but I, I kind of got through that. Um, so as great as things were happening work-wise, there was an element that people don't really know about is what happens off screen and yeah. growing up and so.
0: And in terms of, uh, from the cultural side of it, and you 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 know you're working at this point and you're looking around, are you conscious at that age of being uh I, i'm you know I'm not sure how you identify yourself whether it's british british Indian British mm. Asian you know wherever you however you like to see yourself are, are you conscious of that do you go on set and go wow, there's nobody else that's like me or at that age were you just sort of getting on with it and you're not aware
1: well well, it's two things that I do think about this is it, on on one level I was just not thinking too much. I was just enjoying the ride I was enjoying the work I wasn't going home going oh, I could have done that scene better or what's my identity and where do I fit in which is probably amazing right which is great in one sense because I, I I could do a scene and not and just be very present I could juggle so many things as well I was doing my tutoring as well and then they'd call me and go oh you're doing this scene great what are we doing boom do it and I enjoyed the experience I really did but I I think about it now and I go, was that maybe a false sense of reality? Did I really know who I was? Yes, it liberates me in one sense, but only now, probably since doing Boy With The Top Knot, uh, and maybe before then, things were evolving, not just as an actor, but also my uh, just my general sense of identity. And it's brought up a lot of stuff. Mm. You know, the stuff I was talking about as a child actor, yeah. my family my identity, uh, and it's, it's, it's an interesting time, which I only know is setting me up for the next chapter.
2: I suppose you sort of, for want of a better word, lived in different ca- characters from such a young age. Yeah. How did you find time and how did you use that time to try and connect with yourself? Exactly. Or did you, were you just sort of, well, I'm this person today and I'm this person at school? And, and Yes,
1: exactly. You're playing all these different characters, but also you thrive. It's almost like an addiction in terms of being on set because you get into that false sense of reality false sense of confidence but and then in the time in between I can't recall that much mm-hmm. and actually I'm realising hindsight because I think didn't quite know who I was yeah. I'm thriving to play someone else but now over the last couple of years I'm focusing more on my identity and also my community as well and how that works hand in hand with what I do and, I f- and, I, and I'm, I'm excited about the prospect of that Do you look back now and
0: go oh I wish I was more conscious of it then or do you sort of look back and go no I actually I didn't mind being slightly unaware
1: I think what's happening now as well is I'm kind of like what's done is done yeah, and I have to look at being present and laying the path for the future um, I don't regret any of it and I, I guess I always think that things are going to happen in its own course if that makes sense yeah. and the minute you start trying to control it it's going to go it's not going to go the way that you think it's. you've just got to Throw yourself into it because I've I've always been a person who, who always yeah. likes to control and think too much about things. And one of the things I've learned recently is just let it go, see what happens, and then suddenly Boy With the Top Nut comes along, and the effect that has on you and the journey that took me on. Because initially with Boy with the Top Nut, I was like, "There's no way I'm doing this. This is I'm not playing an Indian character in this," you know.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think it becomes more complex than that. What
2: apparently. made you change your mind about that role?
1: Well, I think, and it's taking me a couple of years after doing boy with a top knot to realize it is that going back to your question about identity I think if it goes back to being in school again and I didn't question it at the time only now I'm like oh yeah there was only really about three other kids like me so it was all about fitting in that's all I, did. I don't want to talk about being Indian and you know I, I even at home if it was Diwali and you get your you know the string put on yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd cut it off and go, you know, I can't have that on my hand. And then I was like, with even with my parents in a certain way, hearing their story about fitting in and not really celebrating being different, that was and the struggles they had. That's in a way I feel like I've been conditioned to just fit in. Don't talk about being different. And I think with Boy With A Top Knot, which was a story so specific, specifically about being British Indian and the Sikh community, it made me kind of go, oh, no, I don't want to, I don't want to touch this at all. Yeah. But actually, I realized I had to come, I had to confront that, I had to confront my identity and start figuring out who I was. And I think from conditioned behavior, I think our generation now, oh, Are making more of an effort to start asking those questions and break out of the mold a little bit, and it's quite it's quite terrifying, which it has been for me. But like I said, it's it's certain certain conditioning. Do you feel like um,
2: having done that show, you were you sort of allowed yourself to explore that space that you never gave yourself to? Yes, I did. Yes, it
1: was, and I turned it down initially, um, and I was like, I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna think about this. Um, and then it was actually my girlfriend who said to me, you need to maybe could reconsider this because I don't think this is about the work. It's about you. It's something that you, you're slightly frightful of. Because there's, I think one of the things I struggle with is not being Indian enough and not being British enough. But actually there's something to be said about what it means to be British Indian. Yeah. Not Indian, not Indian, but British Indian. Something very specific. And I think Boy With The Top Knot allowed me to explore that a little bit and not be ashamed of it in terms of, Uh, sometimes I've been afraid when people go, do you speak language? And I'm like, I understand that. Oh, well, you know, it's it's fine. I was born here. This is part of, that's part of my identity and not not be ashamed of
0: it. No, I think that's a fantastic way to put it um, because, you know, we definitely live in an era right now where people are trying to be boxed somewhere you're either left you're right you're labor you're conservative you're british you're Indian. you can't be both the gray yes. area doesn't exist for a lot of people
1: exactly and one of the things i found i was t- chatting to a friend about it and i feel when people ask me what my story is i'm still using my parents story oh my parents arrived here when it was about four or five you know then they yeah. said no, no no what what's your story mm. and i've not really considered it as much about being british indian about yeah. growing up in stockport Talking about what it was like for me juggling two cultures, as it were, and that—that's something I think we need to celebrate more as a community. Why do you think we do that? Where it's like, you know, tell me about you. Oh, okay,
0: so from you know, from my example, oh, my mom came over from Uganda, yeah. and it's like, but, but do what, you, I wonder why I, do we know do what
2: that. I find really interesting because um, <laughs> I am a little bit different from you guys in terms of I've not been born and bred in in the UK, and I am mixed. Um, my mom's Ukrainian, my dad's in Nepalese. But they moved around. What I find interesting is that we were never conditioned to feel ashamed. Mm. There was such a sense of pride about being Nepalese and Ukrainian. Yeah, yeah. And so I always found it so interesting now coming into a community uh, where I am, surrounded by more British Asians, that there's so much talk about, like you said, that you felt ashamed. And the sense of justifying is, I think, I find like when you talk about oh my parents this and this it's like I'm justifying why I'm this way I'm justifying why I'm different and I find that really fascinating
1: I think what was what's interesting as well is my my parents had been conditioned to kind of kind of fit in but they were never I didn't ever feel they were embarrassed about being Indian they were very happy to kind of um, celebrate their identity but I don't think they ever quite understood I don't think they ever will uh, because they weren't born here i was they didn't quite understand what it means to be british indian
2: what does it mean to you
1: it's it's celebrating the two cultures and it's just celebrating me and and having the ability to celebrate being indian but also my own identity i don't want to just i'm happy to be indian but also me as british especially when in in the career that i'm in that i I really have a sense of place if that makes sense Mm mm-hmm to be to really feel like, yeah, I was born here and I've got just as much rights as my fellow actors sometimes. I just Not specifically in, in the industry that I'm in. I still feel that there's just a it little really bit... It really sounds
2: like you spent years and years escaping your rightful space. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and I'm coming back to yeah. it.
1: And actually being uh, not a case of just fitting in. Are
2: you comfortable in it? I'm becoming still? more comfortable
1: mm. in it and being able to talk about it. Uh, not just as an actor but just on an emotional sense as well mm. or a mental, my mental state. And
0: yeah. Well, that actually leads nicely on to the fact that, um, again, when you were younger and you were coming up as a child actor, um, one of your early credits was East is East. Yeah,
1: I think everyone at some point will do East is East. That was really interesting because so I was doing a lot of TV and then this was like the first professional kind of theatre job and I'd heard about East is East from the film but at that point I didn't realise the effect it would have on me and that was because it was predominantly uh, an Asian cast and it was amazing I think that really opened up something in me because I hadn't interacted with Asian actors I didn't I knew there were some but I, I didn't and like you said, I was a child actor and hadn't been aware of what that actually means. But to suddenly sit in a room, and especially the play East is East brings up a lot of that. It, bring, it encourages everybody to talk about their own upbringing and past. It was, it was like, oh, there are other actors like me who've gone through similar things who just get it without having to. You don't have to explain yourself. They yeah. just know what it's like. It was more than just a theatre job. And I remember it. Again, came at the end of the job and I was kind of packing my digs away and um I was sobbing my eyes out. I was like, oh, I've got to get back to college, but this has been really special. Like, I think he, even there's like um, a guy who played my brother in it is still to this day one of my, well, the closest friend. Wow. Yeah, he kind of took me under his wing, you know. And not only that, he... Allo- they allowed me, in particular him, allowed me to, because I was like 17 at the time, to just experience stuff that hadn't, like going out, going clubbing, smoking, drinking.
0: And you were doing it in, at the Haymarket in Leicester, right? Which yeah. is a large, there's a large um, Asian population there
1: as well. Yeah. So was that a lot of the audience? Yes, it was. And that was great. And and I think what's brilliant about that play is it's, it's full of comedy and it's full of so much heart and drama. And that was great. You could feel that from the audience. People were very moved by it. And when they were laughing, they were laughing in a way that they get get what that is.
0: Sidebar actor question. Yes. Uh, The film had come out at that point, right? You're saying? Yes, it had. Is it difficult to find your own stamp on a character after an iconic film like that has come out? Or are you able to separate it? Well, again,
1: at that time, uh, just thinking about it now, I didn't think too much about it. And I think I just allowed myself to be... Uh, completely directed by the director um, yeah. I think now I'd, I'd really struggle going oh what are you telling me what to do and I, I you know, I want ownership of it yeah. but I just submitted myself to it because I hadn't been on stage before and really trusted the director but I tell you w- w- when something became really interesting was I'd constantly been guided by this director, we hadn't really been in front of an audience before and then we did a dress rehearsal and it just went horribly wrong because I'd not been on stage before I didn't know cues and so I was late for cues and the stage was bigger it was quite intimidating, was I loud enough, it was it was a mess and at the end the director was like oh we, Sasha you need to come in earlier tomorrow, we need to work through that because everyone was good but you, you need some work I was so devastated and I called my mom and dad from the payphone that night and I was like I know you guys are coming tomorrow but I just don't know what I'm doing but then when the first preview happened something just clicked and it was like i didn't need the guidance anymore it was like it just felt like yes this is this is what this is what i'm supposed to be doing i know it sounds really naff, but it just kind of the everything just lifted getting an audience in there it was all those times when i was like performing for my mum and dad Or at family parties And that buzz that I had Even if I was doing tap dancing Or Michael Jackson Impersonations <laughs> Just being on stage In that play In that moment Was something I'll never forget it was the f- Yes it was the first preview It was the first preview Of my kind of All well, this work that I'd done And yeah. it was It just all No it it's like, just this There's a payoff there, isn't the, there This is what I'm meant to be doing And everything just It just lifted you
0: know? And how was just The rehearsal process Being different to You know Doing screen for so long
1: Yeah it was it it was so such new territory for me the idea of warming up and i think with theater as well it's it's not just about performance it's really about your your physical and emotional state is all kind of you spend a lot of time on the craft you know and that was interesting i was initially be like why are they going over this so much why are we asking so many questions why (laughs) you know some actors still do that now yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's true (laughs) Um, and why are we doing like an an hour's warm up before we start, you know? But I slowly grew to like it. I was like, oh, this is, opens up a whole new craft, you know, stuff that will help me with screen as yeah. it does while we go and do a play, you know?
0: And then you move on a few years later because you said you went back to college after that, right? Yes, I did, okay. yeah. And then comes a, a huge gig. I imagine um, something that may have changed the trajectory of your career. Maybe yeah. not, I don't know. Um, and for anyone listening I'm talking about the History Boys um, at the National Theatre which you know starred actors like James Corden, Dominic Cooper, Russell Tovey, of course the great and wonderful Sasha Darwin. (laughs) Like how was that when that script came along? What did you know about it? Well
1: I knew it was going to be a hit. No I didn't really, I didn't it was complete opposite. So uh, I'd been a child actor I'd done you know some theatre as well and kind of gone back and forth to school um but i finished college finished college and i was like right i can just concentrate on acting work's been reasonably steady i've got my a levels in the bag i'm not going to go to university that's it i see you guys i'm going to london you know didn't happen at all everything just went so dry did you move to london no i didn't i couldn't had no money um and um All my mates went to uni, and that life started for them. And I worked with my dad in Manchester. And at that point, he had a uh, clothing uh, shop, which I helped work with him in. Um, But (laughs) he basically had a shop, and then the landlord gave him the shop next door to get rid of all the crap stock they didn't want. So it's my job to work in this secondhand shop. And I sat there with a bum bag around me, and a gas heater, and I was like, (coughs) oh shit what do I do I don't know what to do I'm just waiting for auditions nothing's coming in in hindsight it was the most amazing thing that happened which I feel led to the history boys and I was talking about when you don't think too much and just submit with it and just yeah. maybe it happens for a reason I didn't see it at the time but in hindsight I'm like oh, I'll get it I, sat, I used to sit there for hours not doing anything just like thinking <laughs> writing on a newspaper doing crosswords and there was a mirror, So sometimes I do a monologue in the mirror and watch my performance then (laughs) someone would come in and they'd be like, why is this fucking idiot talking to himself and then leave? But anyway, I started writing at that point. I was like, oh, I've got to say, but it wasn't like, oh, I want to be a poet. It was just all this stuff started coming out about identity, who I am and just ideas that I had. Um, And the long and short of it is I took these poems in the hope of going to a poetry workshop in um, Manchester It was called the Green Room Theater at that time, but I turned up and no one was there. I was like, oh shit, because I built all the courage to go up there with like all my poems that I'd written over the last couple of months. No one was there. Um, And then I was like, oh, I'll just have a drink and sit down and come back another time. But then this guy came up to me and he said, are you here for the workshop? I said, yes. And he said, well, no no one's turned up, so I was just going to cancel it. So I'm really sorry. I said, no, no worries. He left. Then he comes back again about five minutes later and he said, have you got any stuff with you? And I said, yes. So I showed him these poems and he's like, oh, well, let's, let's work on it together. And he ended up becoming a bit of a mentor. He was one of the top poetry performance artists in Manchester. So I ended up working with him and he mentored me. So I ended up finding a routine for myself in Manchester. I'd work with my dad. I'd write. I, I'd read about different practitioners just to keep my, my brain busy. I was learning about Peter Brook yeah. Ibsen, Bre- Brecht. Uh, I was going to screen acting classes just to kind of, keep myself busy but also really figure out what I've been doing this work but I hadn't really thought about my process or who I am and blah 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 and now suddenly I put my attention on something else and I'm keeping busy I'm sitting in Manchester Library upstairs on the fourth floor writing and and I get a call about uh, this play called The History Boys Alan Bennett is writing it and I went wow Alan Bennett the guy that I studied in my GCSEs and this play came along and it was about 250 pages long and to be honest I didn't understand a fucking word of it. It's so complicated. And I was a little bit like, but I'm quite settled in Manchester now. Do I do I wanna be, of course I wanna be, against. yeah, yes, I'll audition for it. And I was a nervous wreck, kind acted for ages. And, and in my audition, you know, Alan was there, Nick Heitner, Toby Whale, I was at the National Theatre. It was so overwhelming, but I was so nervous. Um, And at the end of the audition, I went, oh, I've written a poem. Um about i know people always ask you what you think of the play um i'm not very good at articulating it but i can, I can do it in poetry performance and i saw toby whale just kind of go oh for God's sake!" <laughs> <laughs> and alan was the only person who went no i'd love to hear it so i performed it no one said anything and i left the room but i got the job it was great moved to London and then on press night, Alan wrote a note and he said, I'm so glad you wrote that poem because that was what clinched the job. And I remember it because it defines how I approach my work now and stuff. But that, yeah, it, it, getting the a play in London for nine months was enough. But the fact that it, I didn't realize that at that time the impact the play would have on people because it was a 250 page play it was you know and that's how Alan Alan just writes and then Nick yeah. is almost like an editor as well and they craft it in rehearsals and it became the History Boys my character became Akhtar and then suddenly before you know Broadway film
0: and yeah. I mean did you know because obviously poetry is a the theme of the play as well yeah. right was that something you knew going into it or was it literally you just going well let me just see if
1: I can give them something else no it was like um, yeah because yes poetry was a big part of the play, and the fact that you know Hector, our teacher in the History Boys, was teaching these things, and and how art is important. It's not yeah. just about getting into Oxford and Cambridge. These are the things that you learn. These lessons that we're talking about now, are the things that you'll treasure for life. And I can't remember what I did in my science class, but I remember these experiences of sitting in my dad's shop, yeah. and all of that tied in. And I just thought I'd never done it before, and they'd only give me a small scene anyway. And I just thought. I had something to say about the pl- about the play as well. It wasn't like oh, let me just. I really felt strongly about it. Yeah. And what I connected with it, and that's why. I wrote Do you
0: it. find because um, I'm certainly one of them? Do you find a lot of um, actors will message you and say, "Oh, I've just played actor." In the yes, of Boys. you do. Yeah, you do. So you get that every so often on social. <laughs> yeah, media? Yeah, you do,
1: and I, I almost get because it's also on the um, like A level syllabus. so sometimes people send me questions about what my thoughts are and it's interesting isn't it as actors if you're like the original cast in something and in rehearsals you just kind of go along you think bits about it but some of the questions you get in exams i'm like i don't we didn't really think about that (laughs) you know now i've got to think about an answer you know what hector is kind of does alan even have an answer for that yeah Yeah. yeah, exactly
0: oh that's amazing because i i did it um at the colchester mercury oh you did it as well yeah yeah so I did it back in 2013 right and um, I actually I actually tweeted Sasha
2: did like, you yeah, yeah
0: you know on the history board I think I might have tagged I didn't get a response but yeah. I might I'm pretty <laughs> sure I tagged him in, in the tweet to be like but I'm, I'm sure you would have got that like from so uh, many people over the years no it's
1: great and I just I love <laughs> that other people it's still you know it's still so many people are performing it have since. you gone to see revivals and I haven't, actually. Okay. I think uh, the fact that we did 500 shows of it, oh my I God. think by the end I was ready to. Wow. And it was only actually after, even a year later, or quite a few years later, that I watched the film and went, oh, that's what this film's about.
2: Did you find that through theatre you managed to mould your own process that you maybe hadn't had on screen because it sounds like you just went for it on screen and were just instinctive with it and you were so young that you didn't overthink it Yes, things. and
1: which was great in one sense yeah. but really understanding text a little bit and 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 I think that time working with my dad and the History Boys and Bradford Riots what I started to get a, a real sense of ownership of was um, creating characters and being bold enough um, when it came to... Um, the choices that I made.
2: Mm. What, what is your process?
1: Well, it's like, there isn't like, oh, a set process. It's kind of like, I, I think my kind of inspiration that I had, I remember in my acting group I, that I went to as part of that agency, had a script, and, um, and my tendency was to to perform, to perform, to do too much. You know, I want to show, show something. Uh, and it ended up over-complicating stuff. And I remember speaking to an older actor called Malcolm Sinclair, and I showed him the script, and I said, I'm not quite sure what to do with this. And I'm trying to do it. and he went, you just, A, there's no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're overcomplicating it so much. He said, think about it as in terms of like a painter, and you've got a, bl- a blank canvas, and you can put a little bit of color there, and a bit of... And it, it, it felt very kind of creative, but specific, and it's something that really stuck with me. And And that's the thing that I've realized, is that there isn't any... Right or wrong way, in terms of like, just enjoy the process. You know, when you get a script, mm-hmm. I kind of as, as crazy as it sounds. I don't kind of sit there and be like, "Oh, I'm sitting on, on the sofa and I flick through." I literally sit at my desk. I have a cup of tea. I create this whole kind of environment to think creatively about it, and I have a piece of paper. And the enjoyment of kind of creating. There's no right or wrong. Yeah. I'm like, how do I see this character? Do I see it? a bit, oh, a bit like that, a bit like, oh, that's kind of, it's linked to that, and I, I, I stop putting pressure on myself and I just let the process kind of happen. And go, oh this is oh this is quite interesting and and then just let it develop. So I I tend to do, do huge character bibles before I even really get into the script because I feel then like I know the ins and outs of this person and how you know, you throw something at him, I I pretty much know how he will behave. So then I look at the script and go, Oh of course, yeah, he'd behave a bit like that and a bit like and I start becoming more specific about it but I make sure that I enjoy the process it isn't like oh what can I do with this that's going to get me recognised and how can I be clever with it it's yeah. all about being for me it's about I was constantly asking myself is how can I be truthful really really what would this person do in this situation was that something you've
0: you picked up over the years or like going to the national and, and did the other actors have processes that you
1: maybe you know, maybe subconsciously I've absorbed it it's kind of just what's worked for me yeah um, and I think once I've released myself from that, that there isn't any right or wrong way of doing it, and it's like oh that that's probably the process, yeah. It's what works
0: for you and then with also with the history boys, obviously, as you touched on, you know, went to Broadway, had a great run there, and then um, I heard this fantastic story about um Nick didn't Nick tell you that it's going to Broadway at the same time as the film?
1: yeah, so we the the play opened. Um, we knew there'd been a good response and then Nick called a meeting with everybody and we sat in the stalls of the Littleton and he said. <laughs> he said, On this piece of paper is the future of the show. And we're like, ooh. Uh, <laughs> and he went, Well, first of all, we're extending. <laughs> <laughs> um and um also there's a world tour. What? Sydney, New Zealand, oh wow. wow. Uh, and we're going we're going to Broadway. We're like, oh shit You know, we were so excited. And not and at that point, there were some kind of mumblings about a film. Yeah. We didn't think for a million years that would happen. But that also happened as well. So it was like you know, two and a half years of my life of this doing the History Boys and what that brought. Which was exciting in one way. But I think when I came out the other end, finishing on Broadway after like 500 shows and sitting back home, I was like, what the hell is what the hell's just happened?
2: I did want to ask because you spent so much time with the boys mm. Um And and, I mean, all of you are amazing actors, but what did you learn from each of them? What did you take away? You know, when you spend so much time with people and you observe their process or or just how they are.
1: Yeah. Well, what was great is just being with, I guess there was a part of my life uh, where I was a child actor um, and I was just on set most of the time, but even though I was working to be with eight guys, it was exciting in a sense, you know, we were on a world tour together. I... I started figuring myself out a little bit in being with other guys and relationships and uh, being a bit daring here and being a bit naughty. And, you know, we were known at, around the nationals being this terrible group of eight guys. <laughs> and I was also considered as kind of like the virgin in the group, you know, the little kid who, you know, and I grew. And I remember getting into my first relationship and, you know, having a drink in the bar after the show and all the guys going oh shit man's got a girlfriend <laughs> now you know uh, so like in terms of like not necessarily acting but life
2: it sort of sounds like you know you talked about the bit where you felt like at school you missed out on it's almost yeah. like that came back later yeah. down the line with but, these guys
1: but at the same time it was a group of eight guys mm. and that brings a certain kind of like there was a certain alpha male qualities not to, in all the group but in certain areas of the group Uh and that that was interesting as well. It was like a, it became... I mean, we, we weren't schoolboys. We were playing schoolboys, but it sometimes felt like there was um, a schoolboy mentality mm-hmm. with it, um, which was good in one sense, but I think after 500 shows, I'm sure a lot of us were ready to kind of yeah. go our own ways and uh, step into the next chapter.
0: I think it's fascinating because um, whether it's theatre or film, I feel like actors fall into their roles. So I imagine on the History Boys, was Dominic seen as the ladies' man? Yeah. Was James the funny guy? Yeah, you were saying, you know, you were you were seen uh, as the virgin, you know, yeah. innocent one. Yeah. I think it happens a lot
1: on sets and, and stage, you know. I think people fall into their roles. A yeah, bit. they do. And I, I, honestly, that happened even to this day when I'm with them all. I sl- I, I, we slip into our personas. <laughs> so you know, funny. I'm the baby still. You yeah. know? I'm 35 now, but I'm the baby. Oh, yeah. they, you know. So, okay, so that
0: sounds like it was such an amazing experience. And God, like I imagine nothing you've done probably
1: compares to that in the same way in terms of the magnitude and the length of time. Yeah. Um, the, the whole kind of experience off stage and life experience from yeah. that is still, still to this day. I'm like, oh right, wow, that happened.
0: And yeah. you're saying you're still in touch with them a little bit.
1: Yeah. Like I've worked, I saw James actually a few months ago. Well, maybe a year ago, actually I was testing for, um, for weddings and a funeral. Um, and, uh, I thought oh, let me just reach out to a few friends in LA at like one spare night and no one got back to me apart from James. So I hung out with him oh, um, while he was doing his show. And even then I was like I was driving home with him, I was like, You're a success. Like Did I you go you went to the show? Yeah, he was recording a um a new show out there and um we were doing tequila shots in between. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh and it was just great to see his success and it was amazing It's a real strange con- I hadn't seen him for years It's kind of Strange connection and, Yeah But it's like no, no time had passed If that makes sense and, and
0: is it like you said You fall back into yeah, you, do. Those, yeah, those you do. Yeah you do fall back Into it again you know? Wow And uh, then how does um, Bradford Riots Come across to you How does that
1: So, so initially With Bradford Riots I, I, I was already committed To the History Boys film um, But my agent was like Oh you know Just audition This film Bradford Riots You can't go for The lead role Um but maybe you can because cause it'll clash with the History Boys film but there's maybe a smaller role that you can do in it um, so I auditioned I didn't hear anything and didn't even get the small part in it um, I did the History Boys film and then when the History Boys film finished my agent called me and he said I've got something to confess to you I said what? and he said after your audition they'd offered you Kareem the lead role but you can't do it I told him you can't do it because of the History Boys I was like oh man he goes but Unfortunate events, seven seven happened, and um, they couldn't film in their location. A lot of lo- locations pulled out; mm-hmm. it was too risky. But they're going to film it now, and they want you to come back and audition for Kareem again. I was like, yes. Went wow. in, auditioned, and it it happened. Yeah,
0: that's amazing because you know you had your opposite, the work and Yeah, and Dub Foundation were doing the music. Yes, they did. Yeah. Neil Biswas was directing. Like again, was that the first time you'd been? on um, uh, an environment where it was an all Asian um, core team since East is East, is that fair?
1: Um, yes, definitely, and and I realise in hindsight just how lucky I was and what that does to you as an actor. It really gives you, a, a, and I'm talking about this false sense of confidence, but this gives you a sheer confidence and support working with fellow actors and creatives like yourself um, in, in front and behind of the camera. Um, and that was really special, especially the subject matter as well and what we were representing. We were representing uh, the community in Bradford and I really got connected with that community as well. Like my whole identity changed a little bit. Yeah, You know, smoking loads as a bit of a rude boy and I thrived off that a little bit. Yeah. Listening to uh, Punjabi music, that really done. Wow. Um, and really absorbing that world became really, um, yeah, I really enjoyed kind of taking all of that in.
0: Do you do that with a lot of roles, or was it starting to do that when it was you thought, okay, well, this is a, a big lead role. I think it's important to maybe.
1: Yeah, I'm still figuring myself out a little bit. It's not like well, I was method. Yeah, uh, but I, it's a case of just absorbing the environment and enjoying enjoying the ride. So yeah. so, it's yeah.
2: so interesting listening to you talk about identity and characters because I think when I speak to a lot of actors, they often kind of go, "Oh yeah, you know, I put this part of myself into this character." Yeah. I'm almost hearing the opposite from you—that your characters have taught you about yourself. Yes. And that you're like trying, trialing them out almost, and going, "I'll have a bit of that," "I'll have a bit of that." Yeah, exactly. And it's really yeah. fascinating. Which,
1: which, I, which I love. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to stay in character and stuff, but I'm really inquisitive about other yeah. people. I'm really fascinated in what what makes them tick, mm. um, and also I'm really um love celebrating all the parts that go. It's not just an actor; all the parts that go into it. Uh, I love being part of that and seeing all the pieces come together. Mm.
0: And it sounds like that was acknowledged and celebrated because you won the RTS award for best on-screen breakthrough. Mm. Um, so was that your first award nomination and win at that time?
1: Yeah, I just, been... I just realized this feels like this is your life. Yeah, <laughs> we've <laughs> still got it, loads to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, yes. We're, we're not, we're not even we're halfway down the page up. <laughs> <hurry up. laughs> Um Yes, just to be nominated, was great but to win it was yeah it was it was fantastic
0: and do things start to change at that point
1: do opportunities and doors open um did they change at that time in all honesty no it didn't um were you hoping it would again i wasn't quite thinking on that wavelength then i I just wanted to work um and i think things went a little quiet and I i don't think i realized as well at that point that i did partly but i didn't really take the reins in terms of i was like oh well the way acting works is your your, your agent will just find you an audition and, and the time between you just kind of wait until an audition comes i didn't realize that actually we need to take the power back a little bit and it's in mm-hmm. our hands we need to develop a sense of being more um productive you know um and being involved a little bit more in the scene mm-hmm. so on paper, it looks like I was just working constantly. I think things went a little quiet, and I kind of went and went away and reevaluated myself a little bit, like I did at my dad's shop, and stepped back into it again. Which in I keep saying in hindsight, but again, I'm really happy that happened because it it made me stronger for the next project. I had to because I think after the after Bradford riots, because I literally went history boys straight into um, Bradford riots. All of that was seemed to be one big time. And yeah. had to come out of it and go, what? Well, what the hell's just happened? And where am I in my life and my relationships and all of that? Yeah.
0: And then after, because Bradford Writes was such a sort of poignant story, do you find the projects you were going up for or being seen for were ethnicity-specific, background-specific, or were you able to be seen for non-specific roles?
1: No, I, I, was, I was being seen... Uh, to some extent that characters that weren't ethnic specific but I knew I just weren't, I wasn't going to get them and that wasn't because they're like oh we really want Sasha to audition for this but the parts that I were landing were those that were ethnic specific and yeah. that's when that kind of period of we've all been there where we're playing terrorists you know I I I did start to feel just after a couple of years like what I feel like I've done a bit of work now I'm not really where's the momentum where am I yeah because you
0: must have been looking at and maybe still being in touch with people like Dominic and James and going, hold on, like, he's got his own TV show. He's pretty much a movie star. Yeah, yeah. And he must have been like, Wait, am I going to get
1: a shot at this? Yeah, but there's also a sense of myself probably not really um, believing in myself enough as well and going, oh, well, that's kind of, it was luck. Yeah. And it's just the way that it was... You know, this is just the way that it's meant to be but I feel like that shift was starting to happen a little bit, I was like I need to take, start taking ownership a little bit more and thinking more about what it is that I want to do and putting mm. it out in the universe and trusting that it will come out if I put that energy yeah, yeah, I think it's really important and not just be subservient to the industry and just be like oh okay well let's wait until something comes along and we go hold on I've been in the industry long enough uh, and I'm starting to understand how the game works and I can Use that to my advantage a little bit, and not be ashamed of doing so, and be confident in the decisions and, yeah. uh, that I'm making.
0: Did you Did you notice the rise in Asian actors joining the industry, coming yeah. up drama school?
1: Yes, I did. I did. Probably a couple of years later, I was like, "Wow, there's some interesting talent." Actually, now I'm like, "Wow, then yeah. the generation, the the next generation that are coming along I have a real s- that's fearless, which is yeah. really inspi- inspires me."
0: Because I imagine sure. you would have gone into a room and it was the same five, six faces, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I know when I started and I'd look around, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there was you, there was Amit Channa. Yeah. There, were, I I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Like I, I can't think of too many other people. Mm. Um, again, Riz had just sort of come onto the scene. Um, so you must have been seeing these people like round and round auditions. And, yeah.
1: I think also what was it's important to mention that a lot of people don't know about because they just see that this, the screen work that kind of depicts who you are, but behind the cameras, off screen, sorry. I'd also um, signed with an agency in London and the agent was brilliant, um, but he took me under his wing in terms of he would be the decision maker. So that's what I, th- I thought, that's how it works really. Yeah, I'd have a certain say in it, but he kind of led the way and I, I, had, I seeked comfort in that. And then after doing you know, Bradford Riots and all of that. And then then I did a show in America called Outsourced. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to feel, again, working with actors like myself, I started going, oh God, yeah, we have got a place here and we need to be, I started to feel a real sense of identity. And actually what it meant was I need to be more in the driver's seat, so I needed to shift and change my representation. So an agent that I'd been with since I was 18, and now at this point I'm like, I think I'm like mid-twenties at this point. I was like, it's time for a change and to work with an agency where I'm in the driving seat a bit more, as scary as that is. Yeah. And not being afraid, going, I want to be doing this and I want to be trying a bit of that. I think when I moved, that's when things took, went to this next chapter, if that makes sense. Would you feel or did were you aware
0: that you were sort of at the forefront of that movement when it comes to Asian actors? Because I can say that looking at you because I was just a few years behind Mm. but I wonder if you were aware that it was again after Bradford riots there's yourself and a handful of others Mm. um, vying for the work but it sounds like you were always booking those
1: I didn't realize it at the time I guess especially around that time where I was very much like just focused on what I was what I wanted to do and if I got the job great and if I didn't and in one way I was just like it's good that I'm just like focusing on myself but it was after, like I said, with Boy at the top. Now it's like I need to. That needs to change a little bit. Yeah. I need to be much more aware of my, not in terms of oh my fellow ac- competition. No, it's yeah. like no, we're. I mean, I'm missing a trick here. Yeah. We we need to be much more collaborative and not not be that kind of angry brown actor that's just like oh you know isn't. It's like no, we, we. I need to stop being aware and collaborating with my fellow ac- artists here, yeah. like the black community. Yeah. Well, why are we not doing that that's, that's kind of what's happened in the last couple of years
2: well the little birdies mentioned that you've you've been trying to set up a whatsapp group and make a y- group
1: of yeah, so, British Asians so what happened was um, so after Boy With The Top Knot and sp- sp- also with my girlfriend as well who's political in that sense and getting me to think about things um, I w- tested for uh, four weddings and a funeral and all the actors for that role were kept in separate rooms mm. like they weren't allowed to interact with each other. And there was a huge delay for some reason. And I thought, sack this, and just knocked on the door. And it was Nikesh, Nikesh Patel. And I, I knew Nikesh a little bit, but there's always a sense of like, all right, you know, you didn't want to reveal too much. Yeah. Oh, mate, whoever gets this great, but w- we need to think about working together or somehow or just, I feel a bit like this. And he went, oh my God, well, I feel a bit like, oh, right. I said, look, we need to grab a cup of coffee and uh, a few months later we met at the national and we just talked and it was such i'm sure we've all had this and maybe i'm I'm, i've been on a different planet but it was just such a relief to go we've got so much in common and things that may have happened to him have happened to me but i've not had no one to talk about it because i've probably been the only brown person on set so you kind of think in your head i'm just being too sensitive about stuff and i went we need to start reaching out to other people. And I remember there was a, a few of us, and, and another week later, we added a few more people to the group, and I remember sitting outside the National Gate, and, and I think it was a casting director, I don't know who came in. She went, she went, came in she went are you guys auditioning for a play, or are you guys working? To-? She couldn't get her head around that. We were actually just sitting there socializing. It was like, you wow. must be here. I've not <laughs> seen that many brown yeah. people together. And I thought, that is this is there's something here, you know? And we can't just be meeting, for Christmas drinks, so, which is great, but it's a case of going. We need to start thinking, Absolutely. thinking, and talking, yeah. and creating a sense of identity and, and taking the power back. Yeah, there's definitely bit, there's that definitely that, that strength in numbers thing, you know. There is, and we're also a different pool of resources, and and I think between us or someone might know somebody. I mean, we're sitting here doing this podcast. This was amazing. Yeah, but people will know other people, and we can and we not wait and rely on the gatekeepers. And it's this kind of thing where they say, uh, you know, we, we're just fighting for a place on the table, but actually it's a case of, sit together and build our own table. I don't No, I think that's a but way of putting I it.
2: I mean, it's so interesting because this whole podcast really came about, similarly to you, I'd often be the only person of color on, on a set. And so it was really interesting, suddenly in good karma where, I didn't have to explain, everyone understood. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting doing this podcast and listening to different experiences but also i can really relate and i'm talking with people that are relating to me yeah. to us and and yeah i think whatever you guys started continue it's
1: also making sure as well it because we're actors or certain arts we're we we've got to earn a living we go and focus on our jobs and at the moment you know meet, meeting up and talking there's no um no one's getting paid for it. There's mm. no, and yeah. I have to make sure. Sometimes I'm I'm a little bit too pleasant about it. I'm like, oh, don't worry, we'll meet meet mm. next time. I, I being not being afraid of being that person. Going, guys, guys, right? We're doing this. We're meeting because yeah. 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 I uh, I think so many groups like that have started and then fizzled out.
2: Our recent podcast that's just aired was is with Jimmy, and I mean that's how Trifle started. Was literally yes, a bunch of guys socialising. Exactly, um, and doing yeah, events, 24th. and and now it's this massive what, empire,
0: it? yeah. Twilight, you know? I uh, I'd spoken to Jimmy when we were doing the podcast, and I said to him, I go actually, I really admire what the black community are doing mm. because they all s- really champion each other. Yes, and you see them on social media putting up photos of everyone together, or someone to get a role, and everyone's just you know really cheering them on. And yeah. I and I said to him, I feel like. Um, the Asian community don't have that yet. Yes. I don't feel it will never happen. It's just not there at the same level yet, and I feel like it's something that should, and I'm so glad that you're doing something like that. I think it's really important.
1: Because I was talking about, and this is my experience about this um, sense of conditioning that I've had mm-hmm. uh, of just fitting in, being slightly afraid of not wanting to ruffle feathers, you know, or when I've been on set and being the only kind of Asian guy on it. And not that people necessarily like oh he's just an asian guy but I, I sometimes am my own worst enemy because i slip into that oh thank you i'm so grateful for the opportunity i think we all do yeah, yeah we you all know. do
2: but also because in a way we're told to yes you exactly know. you are inadvertently told to shut up and be quiet because exactly we've given you this opportunity yes to be grateful but you know, you
1: know what's so nice so when even when i just meet up with everybody and I hear everyone's experiences and then i go back on set again and it's almost like everyone's there in spirit and i'm able to go you know, so it's right, so you're just gonna stand over there and you're gonna go, no, I'm not, actually. And they're like, oh, I'm carrying myself a little bit different. Yeah. And that's my nature as well. I've always been that kind of like, oh, thank you. And I'm starting to find my identity and my voice a little bit. And I'm thinking if I can do that for myself, I want to help champion others as well.
0: So you touched on the fact that you went and did um, Outsourced in the States um uh, after doing some projects in, in the UK, and how, was that a different experience going to do uh, a job over there? The way they do things, because um, I imagine was that was it fair to say it
1: was it was a probably a, a break for you in the states? Yeah, it was a big break. Um, in terms of like you get on set, the camera rolls, it's the same stuff. Okay, I've realised that a lot. You know, you, and it's a be- beautiful thing where all the shit in politics, as soon as people go camera roll action, it's just left to you. You do what you need to do. That's exactly the same, but working in LA is, is interesting. And it was it was before whole, the whole Netflix thing started, the streaming platforms and people watching TV online. I remember Netflix just kind of being around at that time in terms of it was like you pay $5 and watch loads of B movies, but anyway. <laughs> so it just meant that um, the studios were heavily dominating the t- TV, it's what it felt like. And and people, especially actors here, were like, we going for pilot season, we want to book a series out there. And, and that's what happened. I booked a pilot and book, did this series. But it was interesting, the politics out there is it felt as creative as it was, it felt very corporate when you're working with studios. It, it, yeah, we were having a good time, but it, it, table reads, for instance, always felt very nerve wracking because you knew they were like, they'd be like, People listening in from another state, a big execs. So you never really get to meet, but you felt like your job was always on the line. Well, because famously, people have been fired
0: from. People table have reads, been. So, I've yeah. I've
1: seen it happen myself, um, and so you. It felt like in a table read, you even when you're on set, always delivering. You've got to really deliver. Hey, yeah, we're having a really good time. It's, this is great, and the sun's out. But I always had to make sure my character was interesting. Um, because what uh, they were writing as well as they went along, and they'd start establishing who are the more interesting characters, and you start to see certain characters suddenly start getting less and less, and you know a lot of insecurity and paranoia happens, especially in network TV. It felt like people are so nice in front of your face, but they'll cut you like that. It's yeah. very brutal. Yeah. So and I it
2: was quite brutal, wasn't it? In terms of well, you can tell the story about the red carpet and oh yeah, yeah. That's the
1: kind of the nat- nature of uh, the industry is like you're filming the show, the season finale is soon to air. You go to, I was going to like a Victoria's Secret event <laughs> and uh, all dressed up and stuff and I get onto the red carpet. And, uh, the last thing you were thinking about was the about Yeah, the photographer is taking <laughs> pictures and then a photographer shouts like, don't take a picture of him. His show's just been cancelled. So they're like, we're not even going to waste our memory card on this dude, because wow. it's like show's over, and it just cut, it just ended like that. It was an ama- it's an amazing experience, but I learned as well. Don't wear your heart on your sleeve. It's quite brutal in that. So I'm learning. I was starting to learn more of the business side of things. You're seeing actors with teams and lawyer. They've got the lawyers, agents, managers. This, this, you know. It's like wow. There's just so many people. How was that then? Coming back after that experience in the states, um, because after I came back from outsourced, there was some family stuff that was going on um, that I had to, I was avoiding uh, for quite a few years and I had to be a man about it and literally get off my high horse in LA. Stop having a suntan in LA and going to Vegas. Had to literally cut everything out, come back and sit with my dad and open this whole closet of stuff um, and help them out a little bit. And as hard as it was, it was. It's probably to this day one of the best things that I've ever done in terms of um, taking that responsibility and being there for my family. And I, you know, I, I
0: know we spoke about this um, before we we've come on uh, to record this, but you know, then something in your life comes along where you've you suffer with with Crohn's. Is that? Yeah, yeah.
1: I think, and I'm still still trying to understand it. So yeah, I suffer from Crohn's disease. Um, like an autoimmune disease. How would you describe it to people, to anyone that doesn't know? Oh Right, yeah, so basically, it's where you're, um, you, your immune system is so over, overactive that it almost starts to attack itself. So it feels, so like, you, with my bowel, it feels like my, my body tells my bowel that there's an infection, so it'll attack it, basically, and form ulcers and stuff like that. And so you're not able to digest food. You lose loads of weight. There isn't it, there isn't a cure for it. So the, sometimes you have a flare-up, as it were, when you've got loads of ulcers. Constantly running to the toilet um, and you're having to take steroids. But the thing is, no one on the outside, if people saw you on the outside, they wouldn't know. You look yeah, totally fine. Yeah. So you're just keeping your head down and, do it and working. But I think, and I'm still trying to understand the disease because it's still quite new and more and more people are talking about it. And I think it really goes, from my point of view, it goes hand in hand with, with mental health and anxiety. And I think that I've been so focused on juggling everything, um, my acting work and, you know, I've, I've done really well and, and juggling my family that I'm not really focused on myself and, and taking some time out. I've always been like, oh, what's the next job? And then quietly this disease is kind of like, it's not just a disease, it's your body basically telling you you need to slow down, you need to look after yourself because I'm really tired here. So even in the last year as well, in terms of talking about stuff with my fellow community like you and like I'm doing now, and meeting up, has given me a sense of um, release and allowed me to kind of just put some perspective on life a little bit and also mental health. Um, again, I th- only in the last year, couple of years i've realized oh my god yeah i i suffer from anxiety those moments when I'm, i've been on set and i've i've smashed out a, a, a good scene but no one knows that prior to that that i've sat in my trailer i'm not eating lunch i'm not being able to sleep at night I've constantly been going over my lines in my head and, I, and I've slept in my trailer, um, not overnight, but just like lunch in the hope that my brain will just switch off. And then I've gone and go, hey, no, I'm good, I'm good, yeah. Wow. But inside my heart, it's like, you know, and that's my body telling me that you need to just stop and take some perspective. And the reason why I'm being vocal about it is quite a few times when... I built up the courage to talk to a fellow actor or someone about it, I I, I felt like, oh, that's not not really happened to me, no, it's not really. And probably they're right, it may not have happened to them, but I know damn well that there are actors or creatives or people in other industries, particularly men, who are going through similar things and have no one to talk to about Mm -hmm. it. And I think it's really important because even now I'm still battling with being vocal about it and seeking help and, and making sure I take the necessary time to just stop. Go on holiday, enjoy my life, connect with my friends. What was your trigger to go, I'm going to make this public, I'm going to seek? I think it was, um, I did a job uh, after Iron Fist. And this is what happens with acting is you can do a job that gives you so much sense of confidence and things are fine, the anxiety is okay, but then you can do a job. And I'm that type of person where I really care about my work. So I'm very sensitive to stuff. So sometimes you can do a job where it's just The balance isn't quite right, and my confidence was destroyed like that. And I found myself going into work or coming back from work, sorry, with sweat patches and not being able to sleep at night. And and I was like, oh god, I'm battling with something here because I'm getting that feeling of worry and stress. And this is this isn't the kid that was 12 years old enjoying what he does. This has become a job, like a horrible job, and no one knows this is happening. And then I took a bit of time out, and then. Doctor Who comes along and it's like I can't say no to it yeah. I've just got to get on because this, op- this this opportunity might not come round again but I was just like I needed to I need to take stock of this as well and get some get some help but which you publicly
2: spoke about um, I did I mean, that post was just heart wrenching yeah because you were really vocal about I was, I was that like that job a, and not not wanted to do it really. yeah, yes I did and it's,
1: it's a horrible thing when you get that call and you're like you're saying to your, your agent oh my god this is amazing I, yeah yeah and you put the phone down and the thing what you want to do is go to the toilet and cry your eyes out because you're just like this constant thing of I'm going to just be on set and people are going to see uh, I failed you know and this anxiety this stress and so I just think I, I thought at that time I need to to really get on top of this for my health seek help speak to someone about it, and also even talking about it. It's, okay. it's like, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. No. It happens.
2: There's so you know? much stigma attached to it.
1: There is, and I don't know, you know, there's this kind of myth that, you know, seeking help or speaking to someone means that you're kind of like like mentally not right. But yeah. I think it's it's it helps so much speaking to somebody who's not biased in any way, they're not connected to you, they're not a friend, because they're be friends or partners, they're going to have a certain opinion, and actually just to speak to someone who doesn't, it's not judging you in any way, and also aren't connected to the industry, they're looking at you as a human being, and where, where some of that may have stemmed from. So I'm always now encouraging people, and being that person, someone says, oh, I'm feeling well, like it's okay, actually like speak, not be like, oh, no, no don't, don't. I've never had that, I mean, good yeah. luck with it, you know, it's like, you don't be afraid, I'm telling you, speak to someone do
0: you ever worry because i've heard people talk about this um as well that that anxiety or that edge that they suffer from um contributes to their artistic process did you ever worry that would be pulled away if you suddenly opened up the floodgates
1: about whatever you were struggling with i was really nervous about making that post but i just thought i've got something to say and also it was therapeutic for myself for something that i'd battled with and being afraid to say anything to anybody like this is who I am this is
2: did this you feel like it. actually saying it or writing it out loud made it less yes it head, was yeah it? actually yeah.
1: this thing that's going on in my head like constantly thinking that I, I, I still battle with it you know I was doing another job and I've had moments where I'm like oh it's happening again okay but I'm okay because it's it's all right I've been I've spoken about it um I, I know I'm not the only person going through it and I do not care for the people you know like in terms of like it's okay that we're all going through this I, I'm not and
2: Sasha you're the second person that's um, applauded Jody Whitaker on being an amazing number one oh really? yeah and I really I really want to touch on that because I think it's so I think your number one uh, sets the bar yeah and sets the tone yes um, could you I know you posted about it but for yeah. our listeners could you talk a little bit about yeah, that and course. what that did for you especially yeah, and I, given I, what you were going through
1: Jodie you know she's the doctor and so she's an inspiration anyway and and she has so much to do like i've never seen it seen an actor like it with that much dialogue and rewrites coming in but she leads the company she sets the tone of everything that happens um and she's just incredibly uh, welcoming and because she sets the tone, it just makes it such an enjoyable job. And it makes it an enjoyable job because, yes, we're making Doctor Who, but she also makes us realize that we're not... This isn't rocket science. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're not We're trying to find a cure for cancer here. We're, yeah. make, we're entertaining people. So she has a bloody good time doing it. And she thrives off the company for others, and she's got time for people. Like, I remember one time I had... Um, in the script, there was this like huge monologue that I have. It's like, and when I time doing it, it's like three minutes. There's quite a lot of dialogue. Mm. But it was written as a voiceover. Um, so I thought, oh, maybe do I have to learn this? And I remember asking production, and no one got back to me. But as I'm going to Cardiff to film, I get a call from the AD saying, oh, you know that voiceover? We, we're filming it tomorrow. And I was oh. like, oh. And I said, Oh, I don't. I asked, I asked if this is going to be a voiceover. And they went, Oh, you'll be fine. The director said, You can just have your script by the side if you want. We can film a bit. And we might not even use all of it. And I said, Well, I don't work like that. I need to. So I I felt a bit of a diva. I was like, I just can't. I'll try and do some of it. So I ring Jodie and I said, Jodie, am I being a bit of a diva here about not, you know, knowing this? And she said, Kind of leave it with me. But the fact that she answered my call, when she's got a kid as well, and she cares about my happiness, really meant a lot for starters. But basically, when we went on set that day, she made sure that scene was not filmed to allow me the time to do it. Wow. And I just had so much respect because she does. with the amount she's got going on, she doesn't have to do that, you know? And it's that kind of stuff where I was just like, and people don't really know that a lot about, you know, to see what she delivers on screen, which is amazing, but the, just going out of your way, it. it I really took a note, and I was like, if I ever get into the position where I'm number one, like that, or an exec producer of some sort, to have, to really take on that that is part of the job, to be a company leader, you know. It goes a long way of just looking after your fellow uh, creators. And I hope, I pray for the day when I'm able to do a job where I'm an exec producer and the majority of people behind the camera and front of the camera are, are like me, you know, because I go, guys. You know, I take real res- joy in looking after everybody and being like, you know, this is this is really important. That's amazing.
0: Um, unfortunately, we are out of time. I can't uh, believe how fast that went. Yeah, there's so much F- we could have so touched much on. Still want I, ask you, know. I to get really you back. wanted to speak about um, Iron Fist and obviously <laughs> and Doctor, Doctor Who. Is yes. such a fantastic experience for you and. Uh, we will definitely have to get you back on. Yes, but definitely. We have our final question. Our
2: final question. I think I know what the answer is going to be, but we'll ask it anyway. Um, we always ask everybody, your favourite part of the job is it getting it, getting the job, doing it, so the process or the end product.
1: I'd say um, doing it, and the reason why I say doing doing it is for me, I'll do all that prep and everything, and there's something really special about being on set or performing on stage where the work's done and you just trust it's all there and you just be as present as possible and enjoy the ride
2: i'm so good at guessing <laughs> <what you> <laughs> <I> guess. uh, <laughs>
0: sasha Dawn, thank you for coming on raw on the exception so podcast no thank you